The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. Welcome to Pebble in Your Shoe Tuesday. It's live local talk here and happy to take your calls at 770-5633-770-KMED. What is the pebble in your shoe? You can go ahead and weigh in on that. 770-5633-770-KMED. My email, Bill, at BillMyerShow.com. Today's the Michigan primary. Don't think there are going to be any big surprises uh, coming out of that. We'll have uh, Nikki Haley declaring victory, <laughs> I think, <laughs> by the time it's all done. She always manages to take a uh, a really big second-place uh, loss as, uh, hey, I won. Hey, I'm going to continue to fight on. Uh, I, I can't help but think that what's going to be going on is that she's going to be an independent or like a no-labels uh, candidate or something like that. And this will be looked at as, yeah, we got Donald Trump now. And maybe they do. I don't know. But uh, it's something to uh, certainly talk about if you wish. Join in at 770-5633. Okay. It's been awfully quiet uh, the last few weeks, uh, given the uh, fentanyl drug diversion case over at Asante. I was mentioning this the other day. And I had also mentioned, I think this was a few weeks ago, that a, uh, a people connected with uh, Asante family, people who worked at Asante, uh, had informed me who the nurse was. And I was kind of surprised and wondering how or why it was taking so long to get to uh, some of this being announced. Because I wasn't going to divulge the nurse's name, the alleged nurse's name. Because, well, first off, you know, can I prove it? I'm not a court of law or anything else like that. And uh, the nurse had not been charged criminally. And as far as we can tell right now, still has not been charged criminally. But numerous people are said to have died after this nurse uh, diverted drugs. And I wish they wouldn't call it this, but this is the term they use, drug diversion, which uh, which it means that uh, someone stole it. Drug diversion, stealing the drugs. That's uh, essentially what happened. And then uh, accused of replacing the drugs with tap water. And causing massive infection and killing several patients over at uh, RRMC. That's how the story is going. Well, now we have the uh, wrongful death suit filed yesterday in Jackson County Circuit Court against uh, RRMC, Asante, and uh, Medford nurse, Medford uh, registered nurse, Danny Marie Schofield. That was the name that was uh, given to me a number of weeks ago, and I didn't feel right about really talking about the name of the nurse, but that's out there now, uh, 35-year-old. And uh, the suit alleges that uh, she's involved in the death of 65-year-old Horace Buddy Wilson. And according to the Rogue Valley Times story this morning, they have this, after uh, 35-year-old uh, Danny Marie Schofield repeatedly swapped, uh, repeatedly swapped prescribed fentanyl with non-sterile tap water, which he administered through Wilson's bloodstream via his central line. This is according to the court documents, okay? And uh, the lawsuit looking for $11.5 million in damage. This is the first to be filed. And local law firms, according to RV Times, saying that they anticipate dozens of cases against Asante. This is huge. Wilson was a uh, father of six, founder of Decibel Farms, cannabis operation in Jayville, was admitted to uh, RRMC January 2022 with broken ribs and a lacerated spleen after falling from a ladder. So that's what he was admitted for. And then they had a splenectomy. And um, a splenectomy, I think it's when they take the spleen out, right? Okay. And uh, Wilson was intubated, and he had low blood pressure. And so they gave him various fluids and medications. This is from the lawsuits uh, Papers, by the way, after showing signs of improvement between January 28th and February 2nd, the suit alleging that Wilson's clinical course took a turn for the worse February 3rd. Wilson required three operations to treat a breakdown of his surgical repair, requiring him to be intubated again. He started showing clear markers of infection and had episodes of fever at a steadily increasing white blood cell count. And according to the suit, Wilson's low blood pressure should have stabilized after getting rid of the spleen, and the persistent low blood pressure is a hallmark of sepsis. That's the blood infection. In order to divert the fentanyl, according to the suit, this is what the suit's alleging, defendant Schofield replaced this entire quarter of a liter 
of missing fluid. This was the fentanyl, apparently, with non-sterile tap water. A quarter of a liter? That's a lot of tap water to put in someone. According to Wilson's medical charts, uh, Schofield administered as fentanyl to Wilson on several times beginning January 29th of 2022nd. And in order to divert the fentanyl, replace the entire quarter of a liter of missing fluid with non-sterile tap water, thus reinducing new bacteria. Staph bacteria, I guess is what they were uh, talking about in here. Now, what is interesting about this is, uh, according to the Oregon State Board of Nursing, former Asante nurse Danny Marie Schofield voluntarily agreed to refrain from practice pending the outcome as a defendant in a wrongful death suit. Now, she has, okay, so she has volunteered to not practice. I, I guess my question is, I, I'm surprised that <clears throat> we have a wrongful death a death suit and there's been no talk of criminal uh, culpability on this. And I don't know. It's um, still a lot of questions, but I suppose if there is a criminal case to be made on something like this, it's uh, it's going to proceed uh, slowly. Medford police uh, confirming in early January that they had begun or began investigating claims in December that uh, theft of drugs by a former Asante employee had resulted in, in adverse patient care. So there we go. A lot of families are, are getting involved. Rogue Valley Times uh, reporting on that. Uh, Oregon Live reporting on that, too. This is um, This is the story. And... It's all alleged there have been no criminal charges uh, made at this point. I didn't feel good about uh, disclosing the nurse, even though I knew about this, uh, you know, quite some time ago. <clears throat> I'm surprised that it's taking as long as it is. But when you're talking about uh, millions of dollars in damage, I guess the, the, the slowness of the criminal investigation kind of surprises me. But I guess it's one thing to say, hey, the patient died on on the duty with uh, with this nurse having been treating him and providing fentanyl but can you prove that she did it right you know that's the thing how do you prove it it's uh circumstantial is that is that what's going on maybe i don't know i i'm not a uh, a medical worker i've i've been in the hospital with people but i'm not exactly sure of all the procedures that are involved in the you know are you responsible for the bag of medication, you know, is your name on it, so to speak? And if there were, because anybody, I suppose, could could suck something out of it, and then, well, no, I guess it's it's hard to say. You know, sometimes those uh, those hospitals are so busy and so chaotic. At sometimes, um, I, I guess the the thing is, though, when you're doing it in a criminal investigation, it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt, right? You know, you charge something like that, you think that you have something beyond a reasonable doubt. I guess we'll hear from Medford Police. Whenever Medford police are able to figure out whether there's something that rises to that level, then it would go to a grand jury, and it's all part of the process. But I was told from these uh, people that are associated with Asante that uh, Danny had been gone since, like, you know, for quite some time, back in July. And I would have thought that there would have been a little more on that by this time. So that's a big pebble in the shoe of the community, I guess, at this point. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> 770-5633-770-KMED. So we have uh, finally more on that. But, of course, it's, it's not actually coming from authority. It's coming from the attorneys, the attorneys that are going to be suing. So you're probably going to be hearing this story repeated uh, quite often day after day after day as more suits. Boy, I'd be, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars probably by the time we're all done with all of these lawsuits, at least in uh, in what they're going to want in damages. 22 after 6, this is the Bill Myers Show, KMED, KCMD, 770-5633. You can join in on Pebble in Your Shoe Tuesday. Don't miss the Southern Oregon Polar Plunge for Special Olympics and your chance to step out of your comfort zone to benefit youth and adults with disabilities. Get your team together and jump into an unheated outdoor pool, all for a great cause. It's cold enough. Are you bold enough? Your support provides athletes with access to sports, activities, wellness programs, community, and much more. Join us Saturday, March 2nd. The fun starts at 11 a.m. at the Rogue Valley Country Club in Medford. Register your team, volunteer, or skip the dip and donate at plungeoregon.org.
With so many working and doing business from home, it's good to know there's a community business center to help. A Street Print and Parcel is a one-stop shop for everything from large format printing and scanning to blueprints, architectural plans, and shipping. Their Studio 10 expansion offers passport photos, photo mounting, fine art scanning, art reproductions, signs and banners, negative and slide scanning, canvas prints, and so much more. Located in Ashland on A Street across from Ashland Hardware. Their motto, we create it, print it, pack it, and ship it. A Street Print and Parcel and Studio 10. People who come to Cricket stay with Cricket, just like our customer, Jaren. I'm the singer and guitarist in a band, and I use my Cricket phone for everything. It's basically like another band member. Don't miss a single beat. Switch today and get a free Samsung Galaxy A14 5G. Smile, you're on Cricket. Real customer paid for testimonial must bring your number to Cricket on up to a $60 a month voice plan depending on device. Select models only while supplies last. First month service charge and tax due at sale. Cricket 5G requires compatible device and is not available everywhere. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See store for details. Are you the parent of a 2- to 7-year-old? Listen closely for an exciting free radio offer. By now, you've probably heard of ABC Mouse, the Parents' Choice Award-winning online learning program that's actually changing the lives of early learners everywhere. ABC Mouse is like a little one-on-one teacher. It has helped her so much. Right Right now, we're offering a special radio promo to try it free for a month. But you have to go to abcmouse.com radio to claim your free month. That's abcmouse.com radio. Sponsored by Age of Learning. Hi, I'm Jolene from Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros, and I'm on 106.7 KMED. And it's open phones for a little bit of uh, Pebble in Your Shoe Tuesday. We are going to be talking to some people uh, involved with the VA and also uh, a disabilities advocate. I'm going to talk with a disabilities advocate here in a few minutes from Project 21. And he has an interesting take on what is going on if um, these DEI orders coming out of the federal government, diversity, equity, and inclusivity, right, in which we're supposed to get people who are disabled working for the FAA. And what uh, this fellow Mark is going to be talking about is how he he just doesn't think that this is uh, making a lot of sense. And he's an advocate for the disabled. And uh, the plan apparently is, uh, and I was just kind of characterizing this as a bird through the windshield moment for, uh, for airliner safety here. And we'll talk with him about that here in the uh, next few minutes too. All right. Interesting story that, uh, you know, how we were talking last week about Pacific Power, and I've had a lot of uh, criticism of Pacific Power. I'm actually a huge supporter of Pacific Power because, well, you know, it's, you know, infrastructure that we need. This is something that we all live and die, live and die from. You know, electricity is civilization, certainly, these days. And I've had uh, a lot of criticism to the... Carefully crafted PR releases from Pacific Power in which, yeah, we're going to raise your power rate again next year. You know, we already had a 13% power uh, bump this year. And they want another 17% next year. And a lot of this is about wildfire mitigation and, you know, how we need to invest more in chaotic renewable energy because that's what the state of Oregon wants you to do. And it's interesting because a Portland Business Journal was reporting it's behind a paywall. I can't get the whole story, but I was able to see a little bit of it, how uh, Warren Buffett in his yearly letter to investors was talking about how his uh, his he has really concerns, I guess, of uh, Pacific Power being a going thing because all of the threats of lawsuits over wildfire mitigation. In fact, the feds are even talking about suing uh, Pacific Power for Another 350, 360. <clears throat> There's talk about a billion or more. So, I mean, if you think that uh, that Asante finds itself being sued by uh, by a lot of people over the nurse, and I'm not making light of the uh, of, of the nurse situation. That could be, you know, a real impact on the on the hospital's ability to uh, to keep going as is, because we're talking about possibly hundreds of millions. We're talking of billions or more when it comes to Pacific Power, and I think the criticism of Pacific Power is misplaced. And if you were in a area that ended up being impacted by the wildfire, which most of the time, at least here in Southern Oregon, was based to a uh, arson, an arson set fire here in Southern Oregon. I know they talked about the Oban Chain Fire. I don't think they've ever really pro- tied the Oban Chain Fire to uh, Pacific Power, but you know, hey, there had to be someone. You had to go after somebody, right? Somebody to make the uh, the lawyers uh, happy about that. It can never be stuff happens in life. 
You know how that goes. We're an interesting people how we we complain and whine when the power goes off, and then we complain and whine when the power is left on, and then there are problems like what we see with wildfires. It's like, you know, you can't have it both ways, but yet we we try to do this. But this is where, for once, even though I've had all this criticism of Warren Buffett and his offloading of the Klamath Dams, this this was part of, uh, of helping out. Uh, the, the Greens ended up being the useful idiots to help Warren Buffett offset the uh, the liability of blowing out those dams and putting hundreds of millions of uh, cubic yards down the Klamath River. Of course, I don't know. Maybe they'll try to put it back on them then, too. I don't know. But uh, I've had a lot of criticism of uh, of Warren Buffett. But the suing Pacific Power for wildfire mitigation, they're trying to do the same thing that they did to PG&E in California. And everyone would uh, say, well, why hasn't uh, Pacific Power or why didn't PG&E get all these uh, these wires taken care of and do all the wildfire mitigation? And you know the part that nobody really talks about? I mean, Mr. X and I have discussed this before in the past. Is that the public utility commissions have made the priority up to this point, not wildfire mitigation, but getting all the gangrene, chaotic, inter- intermittent power sources out there because they're t- they're shutting down coal plants and shutting down natural gas plants, things that actually work. And so public utility commissions are the ones that order Pacific Powers and the PG&Es on what to do. Nothing that they do gets done without either the approval or the pressure done from the public utility commission. The public utility commissions in Oregon prioritized the green power in investing in green power. That money has to come from something. They emphasized that. They weren't as concerned about, and so there was less money and less uh, love being put on wildfire mitigation. But you notice how no one's talking about suing the, the state of Oregon for helping contribute to a situation where Pacific Power, under the guise of, hey, we're putting all the clean and green power in there, uh, all the clean and green power, we, well, we're going to sue Warren Buffett. When Warren Buffett's utility did exactly what the Public Utility Commission wanted it to do. That's another way of looking at this when you hear all this talk. And Warren Buffett is saying that uh, he's concerned that there are so many lawsuits coming at at Pacific Corp, Pacific Power. They might have to pull out or that the actual investor-owned utility may not be able to make it. In other words, sued out of existence. And then, uh, you know, having to go back to a public utility, a true publicly-owned utility. Oh, boy, wouldn't that be great? State of Oregon that uh, that doesn't know how to to treat drugs and homelessness and everything else. Yeah, how would you like them completely in charge of your power supply? Oh boy, yeah, you you could imagine how professionally run that would be. Maybe they could put the Oregon Health Authority in charge of uh, power generation. Now I know I'm in. I'm just having fun with you. Yeah, you get that that sort of thing right now. But be careful what we wish for. As much criticism as I've had of uh, Pacific Power, my criticism has been that essentially it doesn't fight back enough, like so many of the other uh, corporate entities out there. Gangrene, the gangrene communists come for them. They say, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to go along with this. We're going to pretend and tell our ratepayers that, uh, you know, cleaning green is so cheap that you have to pay more. <laughs> it's practically free, but you have to pay more. And everything is so clean now, and we're, we're, we're going to do everything right, and... Yeah, it's okay if we don't uh, really trim the trees from the uh, power lines and stuff like that. That's all right because we have to invest in the clean and green, clean and green. Think about that. Uh, Blue sky. Got to get people to intentionally overpay for it so they can feel good about it. But they didn't do anything. They don't fight back. They don't fight back against the demands from the state public utility commissions. It's kind of like the automobile uh, companies too. Same sort of thing. They're thinking it's not even worth it, or maybe they just go along as long as they get their guaranteed 10% rate of return, which I think is roughly what you know the public utilities are, are guaranteed. All right, we'll do what they want. We'll tell our ratepayers to believe uh to believe absurdities, you know, and we'll keep doing this until the wildfires come and then uh, they get sued, and then and then where do we go? 
like I said, we're a strange people. We want it both ways. We want the power on all the time, and yet, and yet we want everybody on the hook for when the wildfires and the wind events come and everything else. Why is the power off? Why is the power out? Look at the Public Utility Commission. The way Pacific Power runs is the way the Public Utility Commission made it run. This is the Bill Meyer Show, and you're on KMED and KCMD. Bill Meyer, wish your Reese from No Wires Now. So glad I switched a dish. And if your listeners have DirecTV or cable TV, they're paying too much. And you made it easy to switch. Plus, I got the Hopper DVR and Dish's very cool voice-activated remote. Call today. Tell me what you have, how much you're paying, and I think you're going to love Dish. I'll even help you lower your existing internet and cell phone bill. Call Cherise like I did. 541-680-5875. NoWiresNow.com. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Internet and cell phone service are not provided by dish got a mess with the irs or a tax date with the state you may need representation visit firstresponseirs.com first response resolution your local tax resolution experts in eagle point defending your rights as a taxpayer visit firstresponseirs.com news sponsored by caveman heating and air it's the climate and we control it call caveman heating and air at 541-476-0009 or cavemanheating.com Good morning, I'm Molly Smith with your NBC5 Morning News Update. Asante Rogue Regional Medical Center and a nurse have been named as defendants in a wrongful death lawsuit filed by a Medford attorney. The Oregonian reported Monday afternoon that the estate of 65-year-old Horace E. Wilson, who died while hospitalized at Asante's RRMC, is suing the hospital, alleging a nurse replaced his prescribed fentanyl with tap water. The civil suit names the hospital system and nurse Danny Marie Schofield as defendants. Southern Oregon lawyer Justin Idiart, who represents Wilson's estate, said he has nine clients whose medication was swapped out and another five who have reached out for possible representation. And the Ashland School District has placed a trail school employee on administrative leave after a report of sexual abuse and misconduct. The incident occurred between a school employee and a minor in 2022. The district says the minor was not a trail student and the incident did not occur on any Ashland school's campus. Superintendent Samuel Bogdanov told parents during a community forum that there was a delay in communication about the incident because of a failure in the cross-reporting system used by DHS, the Office of Training Investigations and Safety and Law Enforcement. Bogdanov says since this report, the glitch in the cross-reporting system has been repaired. And that's a look at your morning headlines. For NBC5 News, I'm Molly Smith. Have a great Tuesday. The McPherson Agency and Farmers Insurance are known for helping with auto and home insurance needs, but we can also help with many business, bonding, and life insurance options. Hi, it's Megan McPherson, your local farmers insurance agent. My team and I would love the opportunity to offer a comprehensive review of your current policies. Give our office a call at 541-776-0673 or stop by our office. A straightforward and personalized approach is what you'll get when you choose me, Megan McPherson, as your local farmers insurance agent. Oregon Trunk and Auto Authority is your one-stop accessory and protection shop, offering quality products like Linex spray-on bed liners, undercoating, and truck, Jeep, and SUV accessories. Oregon Trunk and Auto Authority is now your premier source for overlanding, off-road, and outdoor lifestyle products. So what are you waiting for? Stop on by and get prepared for your next adventure. They're located at 4840 Airway Drive, just off Vilas Road in Central Point. Oregon Trunk and Auto Authority. Your Department of Adventure. Coming up on the next Hughes Lumber. When two by fours get together, only one thing can happen. Walls get built. Check out the studs, followed by contractors and do-it-yourselfers. Featuring lumber, hardware, and siding. Starring decks, additions, and ADUs. It's the return of home enhancements. But watch out for that naughty pine. Get the best build for your buck values at Hughes Lumber. Your top show for quality, price, selection, service. So don't miss Hughes Lumber on Crater Lake Highway next to Garrison's. Are you the parent of a two to seven year old? Listen closely for an exciting free radio offer. By now you've probably heard of ABC Mouse. 
the Parents' Choice Award-winning online learning program that's actually changing the lives of early learners everywhere. ABC Mass is like a little one-on-one -on -one teacher. It has helped her so much. Right now, we're offering a special radio promo to try it free for a month. But you have to go to abcmouse.com slash radio to claim your free month. That's abcmouse.com slash radio. Sponsored by Age of Learning. This is the Bill Myers Show on 106.3 KMET and 99.3 KCMD. 637. Proud to bring on Dr. Mark Mustard, PhD. is a senior researcher at Able Americans. And it's the National Center's project to support Americans living with intellectual, developmental, and physical disabilities. National Center for Public Policy Research, by the way. It's a nationalcenter.org, the main website. Dr. Mustard, it is a pleasure having you on. Welcome. Thanks so much, Bill. Good to be with you. Mark, your focus on uh, on helping people who are you know disabled and uh, getting productive and and working. I think this is uh, this is laudable. I was thinking about you the other day. Uh, well, about this situation the other day, a couple days back, I ended up going through a drive-through, and there was a at the fast food restaurant. There was uh, a, a someone who had obviously had had Down syndrome, and was manning the the uh, the drive-through. And was being trained by people in there, and and I was so pleased. Of course, very friendly, very friendly young woman, and just uh, and they were working with her to bring her into a working situation. And I felt really good about those uh, about those kind of things when you see people that are able to not be uh, as dependent on the system, and there is a dignity that I think comes from uh, working and taking part in the uh, situation. And I and I'm glad you're part of this and, and part of this and. We've heard a lot about this going through the FAA, and this is where there might be a wrinkle or two in this whole idea of being diverse and inclusive. And I was wondering if you could give me your take on it, your your point of view of what the, the FAA is trying to do right now, Federal Aviation Administration. Sure. Um, well, yes, I agree with you. I think uh, in the United States and the Western world particularly, we've done a great job over the last 50 years of including people with disabilities, of reducing bias, of making them for, feel more included in the community. And all that's a very good thing. Yes. However, in, in, this, in this woke uh, day in which we live, unfortunately, the FAA has gone to a ridiculous extreme uh, that's just uh, something beyond the pale. And here's what happened. Being as woke as every other federal agency, they decided that they wanted to include people with disabilities to work for the FAA. Now, in and of itself, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. The problem becomes, are you able to match people who have a certain disability characteristic to the job that they're doing in the FAA? And here's where the FAA goes off the rails completely. They have an entire program called the National Outreach Program for Diversity and Inclusion, People with Disabilities Program. And what they are going to do is hire people, and this is this program put out an announcement about what they wanted and thought of the people they needed from the disability community. So what they did was say, we will hire anybody with a disability, anybody, anybody. under these categories. Here's the category. Listen to this. Hearing impaired, totally deaf in both ears, blind, missing extremities, partial paralysis, complete paralysis, epilepsy, severe intellectual disability, psychiatric disability, and dwarfism. And get this, they will target these groups for quote-unquote on-the-spot and quote-unquote non-competitive hiring when these people apply. So basically, anybody who applies to this program with a disability, irrespective of severity, is most likely going to be hired by the FAA. Now, there's a very interesting distinction that needs to be made here. The distinction between cognitive or mental disabilities and physical disabilities. Most people with physical disabilities, for example, people who are partially paralyzed, uh, people who are dwarves uh, or with dwarfism, as we now mm -hmm. say, are probably going to have cognitive abilities that are just like anybody else. That's not the issue. But when you talk about hiring people with cognitive disabilities, you're going to run into a lot of trouble. For example, they talk about hiring people with severe intellectual disabilities. If people, a person has a severe intellectual disability, we used to call these people years and years ago mentally retarded, okay? Yep. People with severe, severe intellectual disabilities 
don't understand much about what's going on in the world around them. They have to have massive amounts of support. They're never going to compete academically. They simply can't because of the characteristics of their disability. And the other category that really shocked me, not surprising, but shocked, is psychiatric disability. They're going to hire anyone with a psychiatric disability. Now, if you have a mild seasonal depression treated with medication, fine. What happens if you're an actively psychotic person? Hearing voices. Okay, well, let, let, now let me just, uh, when it comes to airline safety, of course, I'm thinking FAA, uh, as if we don't have enough problems with, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have uh, diversity and inclusion. doesn't matter if you can fly the plane, you're going to get to fly the plane. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. are we at the point where the FAA will say it doesn't matter if you're psychotic or not, but you can be an air traffic controller? Is that where we go, or is there an exception made for that kind of uh of you know mission critical kind of job uh well not 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 in terms of what the program puts out there no uh and and basically what we have here is a woke idea taken over before people have thought things through right i think if you put it that starkly to the fa do you really want someone who hears voices and has delusions flying a plane they would say of course not but your this hiring program does not specify that it simply says if you have an identified disability in these groups certified by a medical professional, we're going to hire you non-competitively and on the spot. You're hired. So You're hired, in other words. In other words, being disabled is looked at as a as an attribute that you want yes. more of in the FAA. Yes. Right? Yes, and it's the, it's the only attribute, okay? And that's the problem. When you have people with severe intellectual disabilities or, or psychotic or other kinds of psychiatric issues, you certainly don't want them being around critical decision-making that involves the safety of the flying public. Of course you don't. However, you make a good point. Let me take this a step further. Speaking of airlines, Boeing, as we know, is not doing well uh, in, in, this, in this day and age. But here's how the work has gone to Boeing. And again, the Boeing, of course, falls under the FAA and so on. But in Boeing, in, in 2022, the corporation changed their incentive focus for their top executives. Now, the incentive focus has always been passenger and employee safety. In 2022, Boeing changed that, okay? And now the incentive targets for upper management have to be based on DEI and, quote-unquote, climate change. What could possibly go wrong? Wow. Um, First off, if you're not focusing on passenger safety, that means that passenger safety is not going to be as much of a concern, and hence there's more potential for passenger safety problems. I mean, just obviously, if you're going to focus on nonsense that has nothing to do about uh, keeping a an airplane or an airplane together and flying well for the, for the flying public. I, I'm just saying here, Dr. Bostard, it's the way it looks to me. I think that's exactly right. And and, and this, is, uh, this program is so alarming in so many ways uh, because there's no specifiers at all. And here's the other part of the problem that, that speaks to you know, the idea of, of people blind flying airplanes. Are we at that point yet? <clears throat> I don't think so. However, I can also see the other side of it where an activist disability community will sue the FAA and say, you know what, blindness is just, uh, there's no more thing called disability. We all have some form of disability. We're all on a continuum from completely abled to non-disabled. So being blind is just part of that continuum. And the reason why blind people can't fly planes is because the environment has not accommodated blindness like it should. So it becomes a social construct instead of a medical uh, diagnosis construct. Oh, and so so then you, what you're implying then is that uh, not only will uh, Boeing not have to worry about airliner safety instead of uh, like they have in the past up until now, they'll have to make the airlines uh, or the airliner run by blind people, right? That's where we have to go. That's going to be the reasonable accommodation. Is that the next thing coming? Yeah, well, ADA is very specific about reasonable accommodation. But oh. what some activists in the disability community will do is say, yeah, if you have to come up with a reasonable accommodation and redefine a reasonable accommodation as reconfiguring cockpits in planes so that blind people can fly them. Are they going to get there? Not soon, but with the craziness we have in the world, Bill, I think it's a possibility down the road. Wow. Uh, are there uh, people? Are there more people than just you kind of raising this issue and saying, uh, listen, this is uh, 
and I promoted you coming on by saying this is essentially a bird through the cockpit windshield kind of, you know, kind yeah. of uh, a, a moment, or maybe smoke in the cockpit too, you know, for that matter. Uh, right. You know, right. a, a real problem. People are concerned enough about uh, the safety when it comes to flying with everything working okay, but with these kind of programs that are going to be pushing yeah. the hires at the FAA, one could uh, right. could arguably say eh, you're not really looking out for the uh, for the aviating public. And the passengers, it is not. Well, I don't think that. Yeah, well, I, th- I think they are to a certain extent. But here's the problem, okay? When mm-hmm. you have a company like Boeing, this massive company that has enough problems as it is, and where you have upper management being incentivized in terms of woke ideas, DEI, and climate change versus passenger and staff safety, that filters down through the corporation. That just is the way it is. These guys at the top are now going to fall over themselves to hire minority people. They're going to fall over themselves to hire people with disabilities. And in many cases, it's going to be irrespective of merit. That's the part that concerns me. When you have someone with a severe intellectual disability, they do not have the cognitive or mental function, the intellectual function, to do almost any job at all. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, is there a part of this program where they're going to, you know, maybe take people, as in your example, with a Down syndrome person, and say, you know, we, we, we want to make you and train you to be an office manager at the FAA? Okay, not a big deal. Okay? But when you start to get into the cognitive disability stuff and people and their intellectual capacity for uh, being aware, for being able to react, all those things that we take for granted in, in high level professionals uh, in the airline industry, that becomes an issue. And they've not thought this through. But again, this is, you know, this is woke stuff. I, I deal a lot in reading the Federal Register and all those dreary things. Uh, don't worry, folks. I do it all for you. Trust me. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I love that. Mark Mostert reads all this stuff yeah. so we don't have to. I love <laughs> Absol- Absolutely. My Bless pleasure. you. But, um, but, but, but through the Federal Register, just, just a sidebar, everywhere in the Federal Register, uh, certainly in health and human services that deal with pregnant women and so on, there is no more mention of pregnant women. They're pregnant people. Uh-huh. There's no more mention of pregnant. So basically, this woke idea has, has seeped into the federal government and seeped into these programs and absolutely are making a mockery of the idea of merit and competence. And when you take away merit and competence in favor of either skin color or race or disability, you lose the edge that's going to result somewhere down the line in some kind of catastrophic thing happening. And that's the part that I'm concerned about. And also, by the way, I think it's incredibly demeaning to people who have disabilities to say, we're going to hire you and not let you hire you competitively. Okay? That's very demeaning, right? So you're saying I'm so special because of my disability, I don't have to compete with anyone else in the world. You know, make up your mind. Which side do you want to be on? So it's just a completely misguided program, uh, but it's certainly the result of wokeness uh, in our federal government. Wow. And it, it is interesting how, I, I don't know if I should use this term, well, in which what used to be considered uh, defects or problems to deal with are now looked at as attributes. There's there's a real concern about this, and I guess it's about the the normalization of incompetence. Is that the society that we're going to be going through if the FAA and other federal agencies continue to go down this path much further, Dr. Mostert? Well, I, th- I, think, that's, I think that's the case. It, it's the case in, in every place you look where people have to be highly trained and highly skilled, we are seeing this DEI work stuff just just absolutely permeate everything. Um, Another example, medical schools. Almost every medical school completely work in DEI and openly talk about hiring people of of minorities, hiring minorities, and holding them to a lesser standard than white people and keeping out white people that are more confident coming in than some minorities. Now, we're not talking about all, this is a generalization, but the idea generally is to make admissions based on race and not necessarily on merit. And eventually up the road, yes, in the medical profession, perhaps in the FAA, flying planes, that's become a major issue. When you hire people based on, not on merit, but on characteristics like race, skin color, disability, you're going to run into problems because you have to hold people to a high standard in these highly technical and skilled positions, like air controllers, air traffic controllers. If you don't do that, if you hire based on other characteristics besides skill and merit, trouble is coming. And we're already seeing that happen in the FAA, by the way. The last three or four years, they've had major pushes 
to uh, lower standards for air traffic controllers, and that's not going to work out well either. Now, generally speaking, weren't uh, most of the air traffic controllers, uh, and I'm generalizing again here, Dr. Mostert, weren't most of them pretty much uh, math geeks, spatial types, kind of a geeky class? Would that be a fair uh, way to to term the, the kind of people that are able to do that job and do it well? Yeah, I think so. It's a very stressful job. Uh, it, it's highly technical. You have to be able to multitask to the nth degree. And there's a good example. If you have someone with a severe intellectual disability, and, and we're kind of stretching the argument. I'm not sure anyone's going to make someone with a severe intellectual disability uh, an air traffic controller, but, but just, just for the sake of, of, of illustrating this, um, people with severe intellectual disabilities can't multitask at all. They, 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 they simply can't. They can't relate to the outside world in that way. So what you want in that specific job are the cream of the crop. You want to have high admission standards, incredibly high training standards, and continual review of those skills and standards going forward. And in terms of job performance, you have to either produce or you you need to leave. That is now not the case, okay? Mm. You can imagine. that. Let's let's take an example. Um, uh, Someone gets into uh, the air traffic control system based on their race and not necessarily merit or competence, right? Then they make a mistake. Well, one of two things happens. Either you say, don't make that again or you're fired, um, or you just hush up and be quiet, because if you say anything, you're going to get sued for being a racist. I would be willing to bet you that the latter is happening, yeah. that people will just it, shut it, up it, about the incompetency. Exactly, because people, any time they, you know, especially in that kind of job, if someone says, look, you know, this is a major error that this person, you know, as a manager, supervisor says, this guy made a major, major error. The two planes almost crashed on takeoff or whatever. Um, you know, those things have to be dealt with. And then you get into this murky place where people do shut up. They don't want to raise the issue because they'll be called a racist, they'll be called whatever. And so people just suck it up. And that's how people get killed. You have to rectify those errors. You have to rectify job performance for everybody, not specific people, for everybody. But when you start saying some people have to meet this standard, but other people don't, you get into serious trouble in terms of, uh, of competence and, 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 ba- and merit-based decision-making in how you get the best people. Dr. Mark Mostert, Ph.D., National Center for Public Policy Research, uh, Able Americans, is the uh, group that uh, he represents this morning. Boy, uh, is there congressional oversight that's going to come here, or are we dealing with such a generational revolution in thinking that the United States essentially is a potentially doomed with this kind of uh, policy because I can't help but uh, but think that we're looking at top to bottom when it comes to the generational uh, hires here that are probably supportive of these goals. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right, and, and particularly in, in terms of the federal government, state government. This, this whole idea of wokeness is now so entrenched everywhere at every level for everything that it, I despair that we'll ever be able to root this out, and it should be rooted out on very rational bases, okay? You know, you merit, again, merit. I keep hammering the merit thing and, and the competence thing, but this is now everywhere. I mean, places like the Department of Education are so woke, it's insane, okay? Health and Human Services, the same way. Office of Civil Rights, the same mm. way. Everywhere you look, um, right through Medicaid, Medicare, this whole idea about treating people differently has, has permeated everything. And, and, and the, 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 the language they use is completely work all around, as is the example of pregnant people. There are many others. But this means that, generally speaking, we are not putting ideology over competence. And when you put ideology over competence, whatever that ideology may be, um, you, you get into serious trouble really quickly, especially in highly skilled occupations like an air traffic controller, like a surgeon, um, like a critical care nurse whatever you want to talk about, lawyers, um, all of that then uh, leads people, uh, some people, to question everybody's competence. And that's never a good thing. When people lose confidence um, in, in, in the people they go to for help and for support and for care, then we have a serious problem nationwide. And I think that's starting to become endemic across the country. Let's even take it you had mentioned uh, woke medical education, in which uh, people yeah. will be admitted to me- medical school no matter how intelligent or not intelligent they may be, you know, you know, coming in there where you're just admitted because of skin color to tick a box there. The day will come then 
that I honestly say Americans will engage in more discrimination. And, and this is right. what I'm thinking. It's like, all right, you're going to go to the uh, you're, you're going to go to the uh, to the hospital for surgery, right? And if you have your choice of various surgeons, you're going to go to stereotypes. All right. Uh, who's the Asian surgeon? Okay. Uh, who's the, uh, you know, who's the Jewish surgeon? You see what I'm getting at? You know, in which people will default to that because we're being told to believe absurdities that just because you have a certain skin color that you're qualified to be a doctor or a surgeon. See what I'm getting at? You know, that kind of thing? Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think it's so much an intellectual uh, issue is that, um, simply it's not a match. Okay. Well, you're not, Uh, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and certainly, you know, let's be clear that there are thousands of incredibly competent and highly skilled surgeons uh, all across across the country and across the world who, who are competent and not where they are based on race. But if you have a system that will just put anybody in right. because of race, you will then right. not trust the competent people of that race because Correct. they didn't have to necessarily meet the qualifications to be what, where they sure. are. That's what I'm getting at. That's correct. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you how that, that first works. Uh, medical schools have the MCAT, which is the entry, the entry uh, kind of exam to be accepted in medical school. So the higher your MCAT scores, the more likely you are to get in. Then the argument became, when they looked at the data, they, felt, they found that minority people were, were not acing the MCAT as much as other groups. So there's two ways to deal with that. One is to say we've got to get people up to speed. We need to put in programs to help them so that they'll do well on the MCAT and be able to get in. Or you say as has been said, that the MCAT is racist, right? So a lot of medical schools no longer, uh, no longer require the MCAT. They've waived that because they don't want to be seen as, as, as discriminating. But I think in, in, in trying not to be discriminatory, they actually are. And, you know, the other thing that really bothers me about this whole thing, I think that's really unfair really unfair and i would i i it, it well i'll leave it at very unfair well to call every standard racist though will end yeah. up is frankly demeaning to people of color exactly. in these in these systems in other words that you can't that you can't make it you can't cut it that's that's and that's the part that bothers me the most it puts out there a stereotype that says because of the color of your skin you're probably not as competent as other groups so we'll pat you on the head and give you a free pass that is demeaning and i i i would think that nobody would want to go that route of being that discriminatory. But that's what's happening. It's, it's the old story about destroying the village in order to save it. And I think that's the part that, that really bothers me most. Um, you know, I'm from South Africa. I grew up under apartheid. I, I know how pernicious ideas about race can, can be raised, and they're very dangerous. And to tell people we're letting you in on a different standard than other people because of uh, the color of your skin is absolutely abominable. It's something that should be condemned in every way, shape, or form. It's demeaning, it's horrible, and it's nasty, and it should stop. Will it stop? I certainly doubt it. I was reading the other day, I don't know if, you know, because I'm wondering, these are generational shifts that you've been, uh, that we've been talking about. By the way, I'm talking with uh, Dr. Mark P. Mostert, Senior Researcher at ABLE Americans. It's part of the National Center of Public Policy Research, nationalcenter.org. Uh, we were talking, uh, you know, earlier about these... Um, these changes in the schools and medical schools and such. But I read the other day that Harvard and some other Ivy leaguers are now saying, Hey, we're going back to uh, ACTs and SATs. And do you, do you think that's good progress though? That maybe peak idiocy, which I think is this uh, DEI push right now might be uh, wobbling a bit. What are your thoughts? I think there is, there is a lot more pushback than, than there has been over the last couple of years. And, yeah, Yale was the latest to announce they're bringing back uh, the ACT and the SAT. Um, there are erstwhile reasons for canceling those uh, te- entry tests was COVID, but they were doing it long before that. And it was this exact same argument. Um, and what they have found is that once you remove those merit-based entry tests, that you get candidates who are a poor match for places like Yale. You just do. That's, that doesn't mean people are unintelligent. It doesn't mean they're stupid. It means they don't have the skill set to come in and meet those standards. And the way to deal with that is to get everybody, it doesn't matter what color you are, up to speed to say, you want to go into this university, you've got to get this SAT score, this ACT score, and we're going to work with you. We're going to give you all the support we can, all the resources we can, all the teaching we can to get you there. That's the way to do it. To simply say, oh, the test doesn't work for everybody, so we're doing away with the test, 
is not the way to go. Again, we're back to the merit stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, the whole idea of merit is gone. I'll just give you one little example. A study came out this week that said, in a survey people did, that half of college graduates with undergrad degrees, half of them are working in jobs that are usually done by high school graduates or people who haven't graduated high school. Because the merit idea has gone so far out the window that in many places, not all, but in many places, diplomas and degrees are not worth the paper they're written on. The point is, though, is that people that have these medical degrees and have these high-level engineering degrees, they truly need to be cream of the crop for the United States of America to be a going concern. And I'll give you an example, even from my own school in Ohio, where I grew up there. Our valedictorian, who is a very, very smart, uh, very, very smart uh, woman in math and science and everything else, uh, she ended up enrolling in MIT. Now, this was about you know 45 years ago she did this. And in spite of the fact that how brilliant she was, she flunked out of MIT. <laughs> you know, it just could yep. not could not make it there. And that yep. tells you the kind of level that these uh, these storied institutions used to be and are in danger of yep. no longer being. If, if someone were to say, now this person who flunked out of MIT, by the way, was of Eastern Indian descent, right? So that would be a DEI tick. You know, today they would say, hey, it doesn't matter. You got to stay in there at MIT because, uh, you know, you need the uh, the diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, she was the smartest of the smartest in her class, and she couldn't cut it. You know, it's not a yeah. personal failing of hers. It's just that, no. you know, these are, these are different kind of levels. Uh, being an air traffic controller, being an airline pilot, being a brain surgeon, you know, it's, it's not something where you can be ticking boxes to get people in these kind of jobs here, doctor. No, you can't, but I think that's what happens certainly with the DEI ideology, right? Is mm-hmm. that they have all these work categories that you have to, as you say, tick a box for. But the, again, I can't say this enough. It has to be merit-based, and it's not. Um, people, people are simply trying to match people that don't have the skills and the background uh, to programs that are demanding. And then it gets compounded, right? So you, you, you take students who are not matched uh, skill-wise, and merit-wise to a program, they then get into the program, as you, your example points out, then they certainly can't, they can't cope because they, they don't have the skill, right? And then the institution has, one of, again, one of two choices. Either you get those students up to speed by being incredibly demanding and having very high standards, or you lower your standards so that they can get by. And in many institutes of, uh, institutions of higher learning, that's what happens. The standard gets lowered instead of saying, this is the bar for everybody. We don't care who you are. We don't care where you come from. This is the standard that you have to meet and get everyone up to that standard or as many people as you possibly can. That no longer happens in most places. I can assure you of that. It just doesn't anymore, unfortunately. Dr. Mark Mostert, and he has an excellent piece on this discussion that we've been having. It's entitled, The Woke FAA Has an Inclusion Problem, But It's Not What You Think. It's in human events. It's also available on nationalcenter.org. And if you go to KMED.com for the show blog posting, and I'll uh, link to that. And I'm going to have to have you come back here because uh, you also wrote another piece, which is excellent thinking about uh, about veterans prioritizing the VA for veterans, not for illegal aliens. But, uh, you know, we just don't have time to cover that uh, today here, doctor. But, boy, thanks for the great talk on this. Just uh, just fascinating where we are. And uh, it's almost like, remember, they used to have, uh, say, can this marriage be saved? <laughs> you know, those kind of articles yeah. that used to be Reader's Digest or something like that. Now I'm kind of like, can this country be saved from this ideology? That's the uh, the big question, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and and I'd love to come back and talk more about the uh, the Veterans Affairs piece. But, yeah, we, we have a lot of work to do. We've got to sort things out. And I, I think we start by saying high bars, uh, merit. And getting everyone or as many people there as we can is the way to go. All right. Very good. Dr. Mark Mostert, thanks so much for being on the show. Pleasure. Bill, a pleasure. Thanks so much. NationalCenter.org.